A Cherokee Tale of Two Wolves A grandfather said to his grandson, who came to him with anger at a friend who he felt had done him injustice, Let me tell you a story, son, said he. I, too, at times, have felt great hate at those who have taken too much, with no sorrow for what they do. But hate wears you down. It does not hurt your enemy. It's like taking poison and wishing your enemy would die. I've struggled with these feelings many times, for two wolves live inside me. One is good and does no harm. He lives in harmony with all those around him, never taking offense when offense wasn't intended. He will only fight when right to do so, and only in the right way. But the other wolf, ah, oh, he's full of anger. The tiniest thing will set him off into a fit of temper. He fights everyone, all the time, regardless of how small the reason. He cannot think because his hate and his anger are so great. And it is a helpless anger, for it changes nothing. Sometimes it is hard for me to live with these two wolves inside me, both always trying to dominate my spirit. Then the grandfather grew quiet, taking a draw off his pipe. The boy looked up at him, anxious to hear more. Grandfather, but who will win? He cried. Well, the grandfather looked down into the boy's eyes, smiled, and said, The one I decide to feed. This is Natural and Wild with Christine Grayson. I'm a storyteller. I dabble with artsy things, and I like pondering new things and challenging my own thoughts. And this show has done that. It's meditative for me, and I get just as much out of it as anybody else does. Welcome. Let's have a beverage, and I hope that I can entertain your brain for a few minutes. Part of being natural and wild is being driven by my emotion, my feelings. I'm aware of this. I'm aware that this isn't something that I should always be driven by. Emotions, they stem from both hormones and experience and trauma. And we, a lot of the time, need to remember more logical aspects of where we're trying to go in this life. Too much emotion can make us faulty. I was reminded of how faulty I am still this week. I've been having a hard time with my own tendency to become fatigued with, uh, frustrated with other people to the point that I feel a little intolerant with a particular thing, which is not the way I want to roll at all. None of us want to think of ourselves as intolerant in any regard. It's embarrassing, and it's a constant battle, a battle I'm fighting my whole life. And it's normal, it's natural, we all do this. What would life be without a, a little internal conflict to open your eyes every once in a while? Natural. What is natural? What is wild? 
You know, I, I named this podcast Natural and Wild, not only because I'm usually focused on the natural environment around me, but because it covers almost every aspect of, of being human and being alive. There's so many topics within it. I knew that I wouldn't have to be limited to talking about wildlife and animals. I knew that I could talk about a multitude of things. Natural and wild covers about everything in the world, even our adaptations to technologies and our ability to evolve and rethink and become better people. It's all encompassing. Natural is honesty, genuineness, our real hearts, what we really want, what we really want to say, transparency, our natural basic understanding and neediness of things. Wild, that driving force inside of each of us, tailored to our individual nature, what makes us go individually, personally, our personal ambition. Sometimes these things get clouded, especially with what all is happening around us right now and we're saying something to somebody and we get contradicted all of a sudden and challenged on that and suddenly wham we've got to go back and, and reassess wait did this person just call me out on this did i just get stuck inside my own head again forget about other people's suffering and forget to be compassionate what happened did i just get so personally involved in an emotion that I forgot about the whole world outside my own head. And that happened to me this week. One of my biggest challenges in my life is learning to become more tolerant of other people's physical weaknesses. This is very specific, I know. It's a problem of mine that's caused quite a lot of challenges in my life. It's driven some of my romantic relationships into the ground it's kept me from being very social until more recently. I used to be very introverted, very quick to stay in my own bubble, hide away from social situations, never go out much until about five years ago, actually. But then, just as I was beginning to get into it, learning to become better in social situations and thought I was ready to go out, just as I was finally blooming and getting over that anxiety completely, there was a pandemic. I was ready to go out and experience social life, and then there was a pandemic. Bad timing, right? I got a taste of this beautiful social party when I traveled to California to go on this heavy metal cruise ship by myself in 2019. It was so much fun and my social ability was finally springing into action and, and it was alive. And then I came home and there was a pandemic a couple of months later. The whole world changed just as I wanted to finally get out there and change myself for good. So you never know when something's just gonna uproot and change your whole life, your whole world. We've always gotta be working on ourselves. But that's another thing I was working on. Back to this intolerance of physical weakness thing. It's a big deal. 
It not only interfered with my romantic life for many years, it interfered greatly with my job for a long time. I worked in healthcare, a career choice that was absolutely wrong for my personality type, and I was secretly intolerant of weakness. So how do you think that played out? Well, it was terrible. I hated my job. Although I faked a good bedside manner, people knew that I wasn't really feeling it. I was emotionally distant, not very nurturing. I was detached. I was never a very nurturing type by nature. And here I was in a career that demanded the personality of someone who did feel nurturing and almost parental sometimes, you know? But I wasn't that person. Now, I, I wasn't outright mean to people going through therapy or pain or whatnot. I hid my opinions really well. I kept my mouth shut and I went through the motions. The thing about that, though, is that people really do sense how you're feeling. People do pick up on what you're thinking. They always know. And so there I was, definitely in the wrong line of work. And although on the surface it looked like I was helping people, I was just this emotionally distant, frustrated, secretly miserable person waiting for a paycheck at the end of the week. And I didn't have the sense to realize that everybody subconsciously knew it. Rewind back now to when I was very young and where all this intolerance started. I have congenital hip dysplasia. Congenital simply means born with. So I was born with this very serious bone malformation, missing bone systems in my hip area. I went through a lot of experimental reconstructive surgeries. I went through a lot of doctors. I went through a lot of surgeons, a lot of rehabilitation in and out of hospitals my entire life. This is an ongoing problem. It's not something that will ever be fixed. I was simply born without the necessary formations and foundations of bone material to be able to walk and, and move properly and function as a normal human being, ever. Even with prosthetics, the way I'm built on the inside doesn't allow for a, a prosthetic piece to remain inside my body in any stable way. There's nothing to attach it to, and so it's a real mess in there. But there's the background, and so in growing up and moving on and getting through this day after day in my life, I've learned to deal with it and everything that comes along with that, the pain the very intense chronic pain, the future surgeries I'm going to have to go through. They're not over. They're never over. And since I've learned that this is what my life is and that I have to learn to deal with chronic pain, for example, when I see or hear somebody else complaining about, say, a broken bone or a sprain or even a little stomach ache too much, I just don't identify I can't. I get frustrated. Why can't this person just brush it off and go about their business? Why are they making it a big deal? We all have pain, don't we? This person's pain. Are they just going to cry about it forever? Because it's really starting to get on my nerves. 
I just want them to stop complaining. I want them to leave me alone about it. I can't do anything for them. They need to find a way to get on with it, like I do, like a lot of people do. And in that, there's a little bit of animosity. (laughs) I'm a little jealous that this person is just dealing with a sprained ankle or a toothache or something. Because I know that eventually they're going to heal from it. They're going to feel better. And I'm going to go on being in a lot of pain until the day I die. And so there is this jealousy, this aggravation that I have a really hard time controlling. The bad angry wolf inside of me and this is a terrible way to be I know it I hate being this person none of us are perfect though all of us will always have something that we're trying to get a handle on and get control of we can't always feel positive and happy it's impossible we're human beings We've got these two wolves fighting constantly within us. And this is one of my biggest challenges in life. So I I don't work in healthcare anymore. I quit recently, as a matter of fact, due to the pandemic. And it was a good thing I quit. I should have quit a long time ago. I'm not cut out for it. And it was time for me to go. And I was too stubborn to leave on my own. I wanted that money. I didn't want to put the effort into figuring out anything else. I had a job. I wanted to hold on to it, although I hated it. It was easier. It was routine. I was used to it. I had to be forced out with a pandemic. And as for my uh, past romantic relationships, well, you can see where that was going to go. I always demanded a partner in my life who could parallel and match my degree of dealing with physical pain. And that means if I was dating somebody who maybe came down with the flu or had some sort of physical pain to deal with, I could only tolerate so much complaining and demanding of attention over it. Now, he didn't have to pretend it never hurt, of course. I admit when something hurts. I'm not a machine, but to just continue to, to whine and moan about it for long periods of time, demand somebody else coddle and pet like you're a child on the playground, that used to just fly all over me. It would absolutely kill my desire, and it took a lot to bring that desire back, if it ever came back. If I was living every day of my life with pain, why couldn't this guy just shut up for one day over feeling a little bit sick? But that's not very spouse-friendly or supportive, is it? And since I've grown up a little bit, this is one of the reasons that I've decided not to date that quickly or that often. I don't jump into romantic situations with just anybody anymore. I'd rather not be the cause of someone else's emotional stress just because I can't tolerate constant crying or that high degree of neediness over physical pain. And I thought I'd gotten past this. I thought that after being here in the wild for a while, meditating for hours and days in nature, extracting myself from most of these situations, learning to love people, 
all over again and in new ways, on new levels, wanting so much to share and inspire. I was feeling really changed. I was feeling good. I was at peace. I wasn't experiencing this intolerance anymore. Or so I thought I wasn't. This past year has taught us a lot. And one of those things is that we're never going to be where we need to be. We always have to keep trying. Keep working on ourselves. Keep reassessing. These deep-seated issues don't just go away overnight. They don't just go away when you extract yourself from social situations for long periods of time. Being reminded this week that I had this major thing I still needed to work on, it opened my eyes, broke down my ego a little bit. I'm a little ashamed of myself for still having and holding on to this problem. It's cruel and inhumane to expect other people to deal with discomfort and pain, and my experience should have made me more sympathetic to it, yet it took a hard right turn and had the opposite effect. My natural born instinct, due to my own experience relative to this world and the environment I lived in, has been to lean towards being a little edgy, a little critical of other people's physical suffering. And as a response to that, I'm resistant to becoming too close to anybody. Throughout my life, I've remained a little distant in all my relationships, my former career, and my living situations when it involved roommates school and educational environments, etc., etc. This plays a part in all life situations where other people are involved. A lesson in humility. We're not suddenly past or over something just because we've separated ourselves from it for a long time. It follows us, and it will pop up its ugly little head again and again at some point if we don't constantly work on ourselves. Now comes the part of this recognition where you understand and you pay respect to your flaws. You don't ignore them or push them down anymore, but you also don't let them eat you alive or debilitate you or continue to cause problems with other people at work, in relationships, in school and in training. So I screwed up again. I'm allowing myself to feel bad about it for a little while, but there's this very important moment here that's going to tip this into either a good or a bad outcome. Am I going to let myself dwell on that mistake so much and just punish myself to the point of no return? We also have this tendency to dive into guilt and depression over things like this. Our egos are tricky little bastards. You can't fix something about yourself if you just continue to beat yourself up to the point where you're debilitated over it. This is how abusive relationships work. One person knows how to make the other person feel so bad and so guilty that they can easily control that person. Well, this works in a one-person situation as well just like it, it does in a two-person situation. You can be your own worst enemy and abuse yourself. 
You can keep yourself imprisoned and feeling so bad and guilty and like such a piece of garbage that you just give it up. You give up on everything. Here's something to consider. Say you've been going along and you're on a roll and you've been making progress and making waves and you've got some people supporting you and encouraging you along the way. You're feeling pretty good, settled, proud of yourself, and suddenly you make one little mistake. You just slip backwards for one day. Even if nobody notices, you do. And suddenly you just start feeling so bad about it that you stop doing what you've been doing that's actually good and is getting you somewhere. You just quit. You don't deserve to be someone out there creating and inspiring and doing what you're naturally inclined to do because you made this one little mistake. Because you slipped up again? You've realized that you still have that one thing that you haven't conquered yet 100%? This is where we can really screw ourselves, keep ourselves from moving up, keep ourselves from opportunities, keep from evolving. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't quit. Silently assess what you need to. Give yourself a break. Work on it. Make apologies if you need to. And get back on that road and keep going. Nature has this weird little thing it does when it no longer needs something. It has a kind of a self-destruct button. When a human being feels like they are no longer needed, they no longer have a purpose in this life, they're just using up everybody else's resources, they're no longer doing anybody or anything, anywhere, any good, and that's always in your head, by the way, there's a, a leaning towards giving up, going dark, and in some instances, it gets dangerous. This is what can lead to self-harm and even worse. This extends to wildlife, but in a more, I'll dare say, contributing way. When something living is out there in nature, badly injured or incapable of being a part of that ecosystem any longer, it has a tendency to give up its fight and it suddenly grows very calm, resigning itself to leaving its physical life behind and passing on. But even in that sacrifice, there's a contribution. Its death feeds and nurtures those around it, sustaining their lives. We've kind of disrupted that idea with our complex thinking systems and our tendency to blow things out of proportion. And so we end up abusing ourselves when we feel ashamed or depressed or inadequate. Instead of doing that, why can't we just visit that shame for just a little bit, dust ourselves off, and get on with working on those things? For example, I'm not going to sit here and let this problem of mine completely destroy my desire for social interaction. I'm going to realize I need to work on it, and I'm going to get out there and work on it. And it takes interaction. It takes practice. It takes forgiving myself yourself. You don't get good at something unless you practice, and you don't move forward until you can forgive yourself. Ambition should never be destroyed by humility. 
We can learn to be humble and still hold on to our dreams. Don't stop dreaming. Don't stop creating and trying to work on yourself. If you're still here, it means you still need to be. You still have a purpose. How and why else would you have made it this far? Every one of us has suffered through something. You don't know what the person beside you has suffered through, really. And that person is still here. You are still here. We still have things to do. Sometimes our natures can get to really rolling fast and we're on this path and there's suddenly a curve in the road and we're going so fast that that speed just throws us out of control. But we can get back on track if we just slow down, turn around, reassess, regroup, forgive ourselves, get back in that car and drive on down the road. We've all still got a long way to go. This has been Natural and Wild with me, Christine Grayson. I hope that someday soon, this chaos in the world will have settled down a little bit and we can all have a big party and put it all behind us. It would be nice to gab in person again. In the meantime, I will have a drink in your honor today, right now and get on down the road myself. I'd like to thank some very important people in my life whose continuous support of this show and continuous support of myself keeps me on track. Bruce Presson, Chris Nolan, Sheila McGregor, Yvonne Ragland, Robin Umber, Arnold Bloom, and William Bishop. Thank you to all of you who have contributed to the virtual tip jar this week via PayPal on my website, at the bottom of the podcast's page. Stay natural, stay wild, and stay happy.